And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 49 of The Roundtable. I'm Grant Brisby, here with Mark Craig and Andy McCullough. Let's start with Andy. Andy, how are you doing this morning? Grant, I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm well. I'm well. Mark, how are you? That's a professional. Right there. <laughs> I'm doing fine. I am doing great. All the technology's working like it should. Mike's hot. I'm hot. Let's go. We didn't spend 25 minutes trying to fix the microphone on my laptop only for it to start as soon as I started doing it zoom on my phone. Oh, so good. It was so good. The best part about this, I mean, this is how the sausage is made is that you get to watch Andy get the ass in real time. <laughs> oh, like it, it, it's silent. So he's like Buster Keaton out there. He's just, he's, <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. There are some people that you can needle when they've got the ass. And there are other people where you need to go get under the desk and wait for the flashbang to go off before you reemerge. And that's Andy. You know what? It's better to be uh, pissed on than pissed off. That's what I'm saying, fellas. There it is. Yeah. to live by, had uh, I had my bachelor party this past weekend. My friends got me this shirt at a thrift shop. Mark showed up, barely made his flight, so it was nice. <laughs> the fact is I made my flight. Yeah, that's okay? true. That's true. Emphasis on that. Anyway, what's uh, what's going on in baseball this week? Go. Let's go. Jump right in, Grant. Tell us how dumb it all is. <laughs> Aaron Judge is looking to the side, and that's what I got. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's giving you, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, he gives you one of these. <laughs> and that is something. Afterward, Jay Jackson uh, of the Blue Jays threw the literal worst pitch in baseball history. The literal worst hanging slider to Aaron Judge right down the middle, a pure cookie. Uh, What are we talking about here? Can you help me make sense of it? That pitch is known in the clubhouse as a certain word that we probably can't say here. (laughs) But, like, you'll see it, you know. I used to call that the old plate besector. (laughs) (laughs) my dude just loves symmetry just yeah just just center cut yeah i mean okay here's what replay hath wrought right is that look now i don't 
fundamentally believe there is a way to illegally get signs currently if you're using pitchcom mark correct me on that no i don't i don't think so the technology i guess it could exist if you had cameras and and uh buzzers and in a very elaborate system right like i guess the technology but that seems more or less impossible you'd have to try awfully hard and you'd like have you can't to be hack pitch cavalier. <laughs> no, I mean we don't think so. No, right, like, like this. You, so okay, and there's no X-ray cameras as far as I know. What yet. people forget is that Pitchcom actually there's a wire going from the catcher <laughs> under the infield coming out through the mound. People don't realize that, but anyways, go on, Andy. Well, so I was watching this last night, and I saw the you know the clip that was going around, and uh, you know I texted uh, Mark, and I texted a couple other people, and I had a theory that. Most likely, Alejandro Kirk was not protecting the sign uh, when he was hitting the pitch com. Now, you're saying, well, how could, like, what, what does that mean? Well, Jay Jackson throws two pitches. He throws a fastball and a slider. And so it would stand to reason with if Kirk is raising his right leg and pressing up or down or left or right or whichever way the pattern was, right, he's either hitting one of two buttons. It would become relatively clear to someone in the dugout, the first base coach, the on-deck circle, whomever most likely the first base coach, maybe theoretically you could see what's going on there, at which point that person could make some sort of signal to judge, hey, fastball, slider. All of this is perfectly legal, even if that's what's happening, even if that elaborate conspiracy is what's going on. (laughs) Perfectly legal, part of the game. None of this, you know, was an issue really to this extent before the replay room came in and technology got involved, right? Yeah, dude, what you described is just good baseball and it has been for 125 years. I think what I'm fascinated by, by the scenario, isn't the did he or didn't he? I, I mean, whatever. Uh, who knows, okay? <laughs> no, what I was glancing at my clubhouse to see who was chirping. Yes, I like that. Fa- That's a chirping. great freaking excuse. That was, I like That's that. another one. That's another good ball word, chirping. Didn't expect didn't expect that to be the explanation. Maybe it's no. true. Who knows? It could be. Twice. Twice. They must have been saying some funny stuff. <laughs> right? Like, they must have been bringing their A material for Aaron Judge right before a pitch to be thrown. For him to look over there and, dude, that's funny. Be like, okay. Whoa. You know? Or it says something about Jay Jackson. Right? Like, or, you know, oh, whatever. I'm just going to get, like, another D-high slider anyway. Anyway, so, like, <laughs> I, I don't really care, right, about that part of it. What I am interested in, it's not far below the surface, this post-Astros world that we live in. It does not take lo- a lot to start hysteria about this stuff. And, and that's what I was fascinated by. I mean, for the love of God, he just looked to his right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, okay? right. He didn't even move his freaking head. And, like, and now people are going crazy about it. And it's very easy to say stuff like, oh, this is just dumb social media. Oh, social media. Oh, social media. Dude, there were people in the game talking about this all night last night. Right? Like, yeah, after games, like, players were talking amongst themselves about what this was. So I, I think, like, yeah, it's easy to dismiss it as just, you know, like, talk and hot air or whatever. But to me, what makes, what, what brings it out is, like, man, we're, we are still scarred from the Astros stuff. That's, you know, that's the only way that something like this could catch fire the way that it has. Because really, 
all he did was move his <laughs> eyes to the right. Like, what are we doing? You know, or to the left, move his eyes, whatever. And know? even like me, right? Like I'm a, like a dummy watching at home and I see him move his eyes to the right. And I instantly have some like, oh, well, obviously the first base is picking signs. And, you know, I'm like going on fan graphs to look up Jay Jackson's pitch selection. You know, I definitely heard of Jay Jackson before last night. Like, you know. <laughs> Giants legend. Even me, who's like theoretically being rational about this, I'm totally conspiracy. You know, because it's just look. I, so, as someone who was covering the Los Angeles Dodgers during the period of time during the Astros scandal, one of the things I wish I could have done a better job was not suffered from a failure of imagination. And there were people within the Dodgers organization back in 2018, you know, 2019 before uh, Evan Drellick and Ken Rosenthal broke the story, who would grumble about, you know, the Astros or this or that or sign stealing. And yes, that is true, Brian. I'm glad you can hear me. <laughs> and my response would just be like, just play better. Like, stop whining, you know? And then it turns out, oh, well, actually, maybe they had a case with some of this stuff, right? And so you become, you go get to this mindset where, like, you sort of have to see all of these conspiracies out to the end because what the Astros were doing seemed beyond the pale of comprehension. Like the reason why that like you Darvish and Clayton Kershaw didn't want to change their signs in the World Series when they were, you know, basically informed by the team, like, hey, you got to protect your signs with no one on base. They were just like, it's not possible to get my signs, right? So when Aaron Judge does a little look that way, we as a people who care about baseball are no longer able to say, well, it's not possible for anything like, you know, you, you have to consider every possibility basically. Right. And that is kind of one of the, will be one of the legacies of the Astros scandal, the sign stealing scandal, which obviously, you know, wasn't just limited to the Astros in terms of, you know, accusations and other investigations. They were, you know, found to do something, believe to be worse than what other clubs are doing, but the general usage of the video room and electronic sign stealing, you know, uh, like that is the, the one of many legacies of that will be that we got to kind of like ride this out to the end and people, you know, and you can't just say like, Oh, stop, stop. You're being crazy. What, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm find myself asking. I was like, so what is Pitchcom? Is there like a, is it hooked up to Wi-Fi? Like what, you know, how, how does it work? I love the way you frame that, Andy. Failure of imagination. Because I think a lot of folks, I mean, myself included, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's some element where I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And in the post-Astros world, you can't. You cannot. And I think what I'm surprised by was how many people fall in that boat. Because I think that's what we're seeing right now. It, is you're seeing folks that refuse to be duped again. And so they're reacting hard the other way, even though all this guy did was turn his eyes to the right twice for what it feels like is the first time ever. And, and it's like, <laughs> and I don't want to, it's going to sound like I'm defending it and I'm, I don't want to because I, I really don't want to take a side. I just feel like logically, what an odd time to begin cheating in this manner. They were up six to nothing. You're the American League MVP and the guy on the mound is a fringe major leaguer. And, like, a major leaguer nonetheless, I don't want to diminish the – I mean, he's a major yeah, league pitcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, come on. Like, he's a guy who struggled to stay in the league, and he's throwing bad slider after bad slider. And then you look at the location of the pitch, and you look at who's in the, at home plate, and you're like, what, what an odd time to cheat. 
you know, and that's why I'm just like, I think I'm surprised by the the, the, the immediate impact. I'm surprised that the broadcasters even went there on the air like that. And like, well, I, it's, I mean, I, feel, I, mean, it's I feel like they're going to walk it back at some point. You have to, because it's like, that was this, I thought like out of bounds, but. I don't know. I mean, if you see it, like, and, you know, like, they're both, you know, it was, it was Dan Shulman and Buck Martinez, right? I mean, there's those, these guys are pretty seasoned broadcasters. Those are pros. They no know they know it. the game. They understand what they're seeing. You know, Buck played, like, you know, for quite some time. Like, and it was a catcher and manager. Yeah, like, okay? yeah. you know, like, I think it's an interesting, like, is it irresponsible to broadcast? And I think it would have been irresponsible to immediately accuse Judge of something. They said what they basically said. They're like, wow, that's interesting. I've never seen that, which like, I don't know. They've probably seen something like something like that. <laughs> but like, look, if you hey, look, if if the pattern emerges on the broadcast, I don't see how that's out of bounds as long as you don't say like, oh, that man is committing an offense. Well, I mean, see, I think it's out of bounds in the same way as when folks do the, the pull the I'm just asking the questions card. <laughs> yeah, but like it's on TV. They know what what's in the water already sure. in this post Astros world. That's my, and like you're, you're right. Look, look. I think Shulman's a great broadcaster. I think Bucks like are, are really like those guys are good at their job. All right. So I'm not trying to turn this into some awful announcing thing. All right. But I, I mean, it just that's that's what struck me was that like I think because they're so seasoned, they know what the environment is so like. So what is the broadcast supposed to do? World. Are they supposed to just not air it? No, obviously not. Obviously not. But like, uh, you know, just listening to the way they were intoning it, again, because they're pros, like I think they knew what they were doing, man. Sure, of course they're, they did. It looks like he's picking signs. It looks like the first base coach is picking signs and relaying them. That's baseball. All right, and it is baseball, but I didn't, the tone of what they were talking about was it was beyond that. That's what I don't like about Grant, it. Grant, arbitrate. Okay? You didn't watch this clip. You don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I was I was busy watching uh, like the, the Giants game. That's what I do. That's all I do. No, it's so the thing that I I get. I don't think it, it it's beyond the pale to to bring it up. I think maybe they made a little bit more of it than it needed to be made. But the whole debate uh, seems to be blurring these lines that were absolutely these lines were already settled because. If you're using a camera in a video room and a TV, no. If you have a super microphone and you're you are uh, picking up the conversation on the mound, no. If you're reading lips, yes. If you have a basset hound that can smell the different pheromones when Jay Jackson's about to throw a slider, uh, that's blurry. But you know what I mean? Like you've got you've got like there's different lines where it is technology, no. And so what we're talking about here is much, much more likely to be Aaron Judge checking him with the first base coach. Yes, that's okay. That's okay. If he, if, if you got if you got a guy who's not protecting something, that is a okay. That is a straight up like Ty Cobb is 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 looking up and giving a thumbs up. That is what we're talking about here, and I think it's the dumbest thing because in order to look for a conspiracy, in order to find a subterfuge, you have to assume that they've hacked into PitchCom. Like, that's the only thing that you are, or that they've got some sort of a video room kind of scandal going on. And I just don't think that's Occam's Razor. It, he's just, if he's getting signs, it's it's baseball stuff. Occam's Razor is they were chirping. <laughs> My bros are chirping. That material must have been A-grade, boy. The fellas were chirping, and I really wanted to see who it was who was chirping. You know what's also funny about this? Like, Toronto... 
like for years. And Andy, I mean, I remember when I was covering baseball, I heard this constantly. There was always people grumbling about Roger Sutter. The man in white. Oh my oh, God. Yes. It was just like every time, like, you know, like how do these guys score so many runs? They're clearly cheating. That's somebody in the stands relaying, blah, 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 blah. How does this now, lineup that know? figured out if we uh, bat Troy Tulowitzki leadoff were better than if we bat someone with a 700 <laughs> OPS? Oh man, they must be <laughs> cheating. Weird, right? So, like, I, the irony is not lost upon me that of all places. That this blows up in Toronto. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just for for quite some time, stealing signs was seen as cool because it involved like subterfuge and using your eyes and being, you know, being like slick and like you know, and just understanding ball. Yeah, and then and then the video room got involved and it be, was actually illegal, you know. And so now you have a generation of fans who one are conditioned to be conspiracy minded because a conspiracy was revealed to them and also there is a confluence between pitch tipping sign stealing breaking the rules like all these things are kind of in this weird bucket you know we're like 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 and and it's made more difficult by the fact that players coaches managers very rarely will talk about this stuff in depth because they don't want to give anything away like, you know, was so-and-so tipping? Like, no one's going to say, you know, very rarely will someone say on the record, like, oh, yeah, that guy was tipping. Like, he gave away his changeup every time. His hand goes like this instead of that. You know, like, it's always like, well, just so you know, like, his chest bends slightly when he throws his curveball. But they don't actually, like, put their names on it in a way that explains. So it seems more nefarious than it is when really it's just, it's been part of the sport for quite some time it wasn't until the technology got involved and there were rules put in to prevent the sort of you know external interference that it sort of got all cloudy i think for the public and that's why you're seeing you know you know is aaron judge i mean we had a headline like is aaron judge cheating i'll put it this way i bet you if you watch the next time you watch alejandro kirk when he catches jay jackson he's gonna set up a little bit different as he should because you know what like clean it up Right? Like that. I mean, that's my favorite thing about ball players. A lot of time, like they understand when it was on them. And, and, and if that happened, the two people in the ballpark that it matters to are going to clean it up. Good for them. They should. Like it costs you a run. And I think one thing that this, uh, this proves a truism, which is that once you introduce something new, there's going to be a new way to take advantage of it. And so when you've got Pitchcom, and this is new, that there's going to be a way that you can game that where the catcher maybe is not doing it the right way and you've got that advantage and then it closes up. But for that brief moment, whether it's the base is getting bigger or it's pitchcom or whatever you got, there's always going to be that little window where you can uh, moneyball your way to some shit. <laughs> for sure. Definitely, Grant. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash theathletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. All right, we're going to move on to uh, surprises and disappointments. We're a quarter of the way through the season. So are we going to pick one surprise and one disappointment? Are we just going to start naming teams and names and go off on tangents? I don't tangents? know, man. Yeah. I wrote down like five of them. Go first, Mark. Ooh, yeah, fuck. Go first. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped an F-bomb. All right, okay. So we were talking about the Rays at the start of the year. And, and we had talked about how they're probably going to suffocate a bunch of teams and all that stuff. Dude, not only are they 31 and 11, they got 81 bombs. That is very surprising to me. I mean, I blew my I knew they were hitting a bunch of them, but they're in the same neighborhood as like the Yankees, Braves, and Dodgers. The Rays, man. So that's a surprise. Do you want me to keep going or do you guys want to take turns? No, you keep going. Let's, let's raise it up. Like, I guess when you look at it, what feels sustainable, what feels unsustainable? You know, like, what Wander Franco is doing feels sustainable. Like, is Yandy Diaz going to 1,000 OPS through this season? Probably not. Is Randy Rosarena going to 950 OPS through this season? Maybe. Maybe. You think so? I don't know. I mean, maybe. That feels okay, okay. that feels more possible than true, Yandy true. being at 1,000, you know? The lineup depth is certainly the thing, right? Because we had talked about that at the start of the season, that... You know, they're top-line guys, right? You can see them, like, breaking out, stepping forward, doing whatever. Obviously, what we've seen here is that it's, like, one through eight or whatever. And and that's probably not going to last forever. And it kind of doesn't even need to because you figure they will still keep suffocating teams that, like, the thing you'll always be able to bank on with those guys is that they're going to carve you up from the mound. So, I don't know, 81 bombs, boy, that's a lot. I think they're leading the league by 10 right now like we're already the middle of may so that's that is 
Shocking, frankly. And that's not to diminish the players they have on that roster at all. I'm just saying this has to be like a 95th percentile outcome. Offensively, yes. I, 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 I would say what is actually, I mean, the offense has been, like the strength of the Rays has almost always been the pitching historically. And their pitching is like pretty unsettled currently. It will be interesting to see if they attempt to navigate, like if they attempt to like go get a starter at the deadline, which is not a thing they have historically needed to do because they have so many pitchers. But, you know, with Rasmussen and Springs both, you know, suffering significant injuries, Glasnow is always kind of shaky, right? Like how, you know, will they want to actually get a frontline guy? Do they have enough, like, position player depth? If there is, I mean, who, I don't even know who would be the number one pitcher on the market at this point. You know, Corbin Burns has stopped striking people out, which is a bit odd. And the Brewers are going to be in contention. Yeah, they're Uh, good. So, you know, I don't actually know who, no one comes to mind immediately, but. um, Mitch Mitch Keller. Let's be honest. Like, by the time the trade deadline comes around, it's Mitch Keller. (laughs) Is that bleak? Is that dark? I don't, I don't think that's fair to Mitch Keller to say it's bleak, but um, no, no, I mean, bleak for the Pirates and the Pirates fans. I I like Mitch Keller a lot, but I I mean, for the Pirates who are currently like right up there and just barely in second place, that's bleak for the fans. If I'm the Pirates and the Pirates could be another surprise, right? That they'll be, they'll be my surprise. How about this? The entire NL Central is a surprise. And I think it's going to be surprising in a way that is productive for fan bases who have been looking for a reason to care about their club for a little while. So like the mediocrity of the division means that the Cubs and the Pirates and the Brewers and like, you know, maybe even the Reds, if they can hang around near 500 for most of the summer, there's a reason to watch. Because it's going to take like 85 games to win that division given the current setup. Now, of course, since uh, Katie Wu came on last week and did an obituary for the Cardinals, they've won like eight in a row. Uh, You know, the Cardinal way is back. They can catch the baseball again. You know, they're going to win 93 games yet again. So who knows? But like I think while mediocrity is probably never a good outcome for the sport. It's better when teams are actually good. It would at least be a reason to keep watching, to care, to get reinvested. And that is, you know, a signal to ownership, not that they necessarily need it, because as you all know, we're the only pro-labor podcast, but that like there's a market for baseball in Pittsburgh. There's a market for baseball in, you know, Milwaukee. And obviously the Cubs are the Cubs. Fans will come if the team is good. They've proven that, right? And so hopefully there's a reason to to continue to come out in the Central. Now, am I supposed to go with the disappointment or am I supposed to go with the surprise? Because you've all done surprises, correct? Whichever you want to whichever you want to do, Grant. All right. Well, I'm going to go with I don't know. I don't even know if this is a surprise. It's just it, it's something that I've noticed and I I want to appre- I'm surprised that I appreciate it as much as I do. We use the Rockies as a punchline around here. We did an NL West kind of go around and we mentioned the Rockies as a joke. Uh, I don't know which one of us did that. It seems very unfair. Kyle Freeland is pitching really well. And I just want to point out that Kyle Freeland rules. And that (laughs) Kyle Freeland, the story of Kyle Freeland, he went to high school in Denver. He signed an extension with the Rockies. He's on a team that has... Uh, maybe less hope than 
every other team, give or take, in baseball. And he's just Kyle Freeland. He is pitching, and he's pitching well. Like his ear, his adjusted ERA for his career is a 116. He's good, and now he's having another good season. It's it's probably going to regress to the mean a little bit, and his ERA is going to be four and a half or something like that by the end of the year. But I just wanted to appreciate on this podcast, for uh, posterity's sake, Kyle Freeland, good major league player, just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Kyle. Um, <laughs> But honestly, like I just, he seems like one of the more undersung players in baseball. He had an excellent 2018 season, right? When the Rockies really gave the Dodgers a run for their money and then super regressed in 2019. And then has just been caught in like the cores vortex for three (laughs) or four years. Like you look at his, as you said, you look at his ERA plus and you're like, oh, pretty good, pretty good player. And you look at his ERA and you're like, well, that starts with a four. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, and so he's just one of those, like every year we do the aces survey and, and inevitably, you know, someone will write for Antonio Sensatella or Herman Marquez, like, we'd love to see what they do outside of course, you know, and Freeland is just kind of one of those guys as well. But he's, yeah, I mean, he's, he is a good, good player. He's a, he's a Denver native and I think he likes being there and, you know, it's, it's comfortable for him and bless him, bless him for that. I, I just, I love that. <laughs> I really do. Sorry, go ahead. Bless, bless him. He's significantly cut down his walks. I didn't realize that until now because he's still giving up bombs. Like as far as like homers per nine, it's about the same. But yeah, he's significantly cut down on the walks. And that's a, that's a good formula there for a Denver native to, to, to thrive at Coors Field or at least try to anyway. It's really just survival, yeah. Yeah, I just totally. love the paradigm of a, a crafty lefty. Like it feels like you don't get those enough uh, these days in the modern game because every uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry can throw ninety-five from the left side now, where it didn't used to be like that. But now you got a guy; his strikeout rate is, uh, you know, not great. It, he's just uh, he's pitching, man. He's balling, and I just want I just wanted to appreciate <laughs> Kyle Freeland because uh, Rockies fans, uh, you know, they're a part of there's there's some roundtable heads in Denver, I think. You mentioned Freeland's 2018 and that regression. Uh, I have a, a, I wrote down a surprise slash disappointment in which that dovetails a bit. Alec Manoa, the mm, Blue Jays. Your guy. Boy, my guy, yeah. Like, struggling. Velo's down, commands off, get hammered. And that is very surprising. I mean, he pretty much owned the Yankees all these years and, you know, got knocked around a bit recently. But, you know, you look at the rest of that rotation, I think there's only one guy or two guys in it. Like, first of all, they've had five dudes make all the starts, which, you know, wow, right? Like, that never happens. But also, I think the other ERA plus that's below 100 is Jose Barrios at, like, 90. All right, the other guys are pitching well. And, and look, 90, you can get by with that. But, like, you know, Manoa has been the laggard of the group, and I did not see that coming. I, you know, I think, obviously, guys regress a bit. I just didn't see it kind of getting to this point. And I think what's troubling are some of the other signs, right? Velo being down a little bit, command being up, et cetera. Walk right up, um, yeah. Walk, yeah. Like, it's just, it doesn't look good. So, did not see that coming for a team that, you know, when we talked earlier in the year, like, I was really high on them to win the whole thing. And part of that was because they had this ace-type guy and it doesn't look like he's, you know, unless we see a major turnaround here, that's not going to be him. So that changes the calculus, I think, a little bit, especially in what's been a really, really tough division. The AL East is 
leaps and bounds ahead of every other division <laughs> right now. I mean, it's, it's it is. I mean, they are the 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 balanced schedule is leading the rest of the sport to just get its asses kicked by the East basically <laughs> every night. Dude, the Boston Red Squints are in last place and like they're over five hundred. They've played pretty well of late, right? So they're starting to figure some stuff out. Right. Here's a here's a disappointment question. Who? I'll you know we can do a survey of two. Who is more disappointing right now as a team, the Mets or the Padres? Who? Uh, I'm gonna say the Mets. I'll go Padres. I lean towards Padres as well, if only because what is going on with the Mets is uh, some of it is like I don't know how you prevent it. I guess. Given the way their roster is constructed. Right. Uh, right whereas right. the Padres, it feels like underperformance in some ways. I mean, there's roster construction issues there. But, like, you know, like Edwin Diaz blowing out his knee. What are you, what are you going to do? You know, like, you know, Jose Quintana and Carlos Carrasco breaking down, you know, physically. Like, that's kind of, you know, that they're at the age where that happens. Justin uh, Verlander missing time. Max Scherzer, all that sort of stuff. With the Padres, it's just like, no, this is kind of how they lined it up. <laughs> it's not. And it's just not going great. With uh, runners in scoring position, the entire team hitting 198. With runners mm. in scoring position and two outs, they're hitting 191. Uh, late and close in games, they have a 609 OPS. They are empirically worse when it matters more. And that has to be so unwatchable for a, a team and a fan base, a hungry fan base that was expecting so much more. Now, the good news is, is uh, I don't think those stats are necessarily predictive. I think they, there could be uh, uh, kind of a trend in the other direction just as easily as, as this is happening. Man, are they are they just scuffling right now? They got the, the Clayton Kershaw curse shot <laughs> stuff going on right now. And they, they just look they look uh, flat, miserable. Can I uh, offer a little rebuttal for that? Uh, please, please do. <laughs> How many innings do you think it has been since the New York Metropolitans have hit a ball over the fence? I actually know this, but it's an incredible number. <laughs> no it's way. 50, right? What? Close. Close. 52 Jeez. innings. What? 52 innings. Do you know the last time, this is my favorite one because I was there for this. The last time they had a streak that long was 2015. It was in July, and it was a start that uh, some dude named Clayton Kershaw made mm. against them. Like, it was right in that era. And, like, the Met lineup was so deficient that John, May- John Mayberry Jr. was hitting in the middle of it, and the fan base was just going absolutely bonkers. They went 70 innings without hitting a dong. Wow. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you went to Cespedes. Walks yeah, they the don't even have to trade for Cespedes now. They can just sign him. <laughs> they had Bartolo Colon at the at the stadium to throw out a first pitch last week, and I wondered if they were going to bat him third. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, oh, with the man. Mets, I mean, now, to be clear, like, with the Mets, as I said, with the Padres, there's some roster construction issues, you know, like turning Jake Cronenworth, a really good utility player, into a first baseman doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, but, like, so there's roster construction issues there. With the Mets, there's also – underperformance as well. I mean, like, who in their lineup is hitting at the rate that you really expect? It's Pete Alonzo, Brandon Nimmo. McNeil and Lindor have been, you know, underwater for a little while. Like, Vogelbach is 
is fine in the aggregate, but there's obviously, you know, complications with his like sort of type of player, um, you know, doesn't hit for like a ton of power, uh, you know, gets on base a lot, but isn't the greatest runner. He's perfectly fine, but like, it's hard to, you know, if Dan Vogelbach's got your third highest OPS plus at like 115 or whatever it is, like you kind of need to, to clean some stuff up. Um, you know, the younger fellas are not really hitting. Max Scherzer is, you know, can, is just kind of, grinding through it in a way that is uh, aesthetically troublesome, I would say. And I guess the thing with the Mets is you're kind of like, this just might be what the team is. Yeah, no, totally. And and it's funny because I think the Yankees across town get so much crap for running it back, right? Like their team run it back. Dude, offensively, so are the Mets. They've run it back with a lot of the same guys. And what you've had here is Pete Alonso can hit a ball over the fence. He's got 13 bombs. But, boy, they are really lacking everywhere else. Like, you still got to get some homers from somewhere else. And, like, that was an issue they had last year. It's an issue they're facing again this year. So, yeah, to your point, maybe this is just who they are, right? Like a team that, I mean, I think, like, the first half last year they made up for it. Like, with runners in scoring position, they were insanely good. Right, they were getting all these laurels for situational hitting, blah 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 blah. Um, well, that's dried up. It has stayed dried up. And usually, what happens is like teams will like lean on the home run to get them through. They don't really do that. So I think yeah, that's that's a great point uh, as far as this might be who they are. Right, because we know the pitching obviously they're older, so you're gonna expect some level of them breaking down. But you know, offense. I mean, I don't know. I I didn't think it was a horrible bet to see like if, if some of these complementary pieces could help lengthen the lineup and like you'd get some bombs in there. It hasn't really happened, and it, and it hurts him. Uh, Starling Marte is hitting two forty three. Uh, mm. His slugging percentage is two ninety four. That that's not great. When you're, you that know is what I mean. That's not what like, you want. I don't need to read off his doubles and home runs to let you know that he's just not hitting for power. But listen, they are playing uh, Tommy Pham, and everyone knows that he's a slap hitter. Stop! Stop it! Wow! Stop it! <laughs> Got him! Stop it! <laughs> that was fun. <clears throat> Anyways, so we're talking about lack of power. Uh, that's where I'm going to transition to my disappointment: the Cleveland. Guardians. Mm. And uh, I will just say this. I, I had this up a little bit ago. Let's see if I can still find it. Andy Diaz, Randy Rosarena, Isak Paredes have combined for more home runs than the entire Guardians team. We're talking three rays. And, and the Guardians are just, they have no power. They have no offense. They are, uh, you know, because it's the, the AL Central, they're, they're fine as far as they're not buried. They could come back. One of those teams, like, if they come along every so often, that just must be so hard to watch. They have an 81-adjusted OPS. Their pitching is fine, you know, because they they can pitch. But they just can't string runs together. And I remember watching them in the, the postseason last year and thinking, gosh, if only they could just get a little bit more offense. And they just have not found it since then. Yeah, I mean, they went out, their big sort of, uh, their two big offseason acquisitions were, you know, offensively were Mike Zanino, the catcher who's having a, you know, a, a subpar Mike Zanino season, but the similar profile, right? Like not a ton of contact. He is hitting for a little bit of power, but not a significant amount. Uh, and then Josh Bell, who is just kind of, 
you know, like he's he's up and down. Uh, you know, historically, uh, he's had some good seasons. He's had some mediocre seasons. He's kind of having a not great one now. And so, yeah, they're, they're still, you know, they look short. Uh, I still suspect they will win the division uh, just because I, I, I feel like uh, Andres Jimenez is going to start to hit. Uh, he was so good last year, and he is quite young. You know, he's 24. Um Jose Ramirez is obviously having a perfectly fine season. You know, the pitching will be there. But um, I thought they were going to run away with the division. I thought they had a chance to, like, contend for being, you know, best team in the sport type uh, with, you know, a variety of their, some of their younger players taking steps forward. I, I just was kind of shaking up the dice and saying maybe that'll happen. But, nah, doesn't look that way. Yeah, like, I didn't put them that far below the Braves in, like, preseason, you know, mental uh, rankings. I, I thought, yeah, they had the pitching. They've got the conveyor belt of pitching. They always do. And they're going to get some younger players stepping up. Josh Bell, I liked that signing. I thought that they uh, were on their way to something that's not this. This reminds me of, like, the 2009 Giants that were just terrible offensively and had all this pitching going on. Uh, I, I don't have a... Yeah, I do have the bell. I have the bell. I'll ring it. I got the, I got the Giants. But it, I remember watching those teams, and it's like that interesting... We could probably do a whole podcast on the, uh, the, the great eternal question of, is it worse to watch a team that can just hit, 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 but can't pitch... Or is it worse to watch a team that can pitch, 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 but can't hit? Or a team that can hit and pitch, but they can't field? Like, I don't know which one, the which is the worst fate, but I got to say there's a special pit of darkness in my soul for the teams that can pitch but can't hit. Do you like boredom? Do you like heartbreak? Or do you like slapstick? <laughs> like, those are your three, three choices. And the worst is boredom. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. like this team sucks. Right. Like at least heartbreak. You're like, oh, my God, the bullpen blew it again. That was outrageous. And then when they drop balls in the field, it's like, well, that was I mean, that's funny. <laughs> no, it's a good point, because it's uh, that feeling of the other team gets a two run home and you're like, well, we can't come back from that. Yeah. Like, right. It's, it's just like, oh, it's over. We're, we're not wizards. You know, we're not going to get three runs. Uh, that is that that's much worse. I think you've answered that question. Yeah, a hundred. Because I watched like you know the Mets in fifteen were that until they got Cespedes. It felt like they went two months. Were like, up, oh, they're down to nothing. Pack it in. It's over, right? And then for for the transformation that they went through. Now they would probably do that, but like, I remember the fan base being just absolutely despondent about it. Like, God, it was brutal. And I have a surprise. Dude, the Texas Rangers not only are good, but they're pitching their asses off. Yeah, I was gonna bring and, and up so, the Rangers. So. How old do you think Nathan Eovaldi is? I know this. 31. He's, he's 33. He's 33. And it blew my mind. Like, I feel like Nathan Eovaldi's been pitching for 20 freaking years. <laughs> 20. Like, I mean, he hasn't been, but it just feels that. Like, he's been around forever. And, you know, him, you know, he's having a good year. John Gray having a good year. Martin Perez having a good year. Um, you know, they're, they're pitching their butts off without DeGrom. Looked like a pretty solid baseball team to this point. So good for them. That surprised me. When you talked about age earlier um, with the Guardians, uh, like that's what jumped out to me. It was like, Nathan Uvalde is like only 33. Like, I don't know. Like, felt like a lot older to me. Anyway, they're, they're having a nice little run of it, the Texas Rangers. Good for them. They're also banging that ball around, too. Their, their lineup is, uh, their lineup can, can do a little bit of damage. And, they're getting a, a really nice season uh, thus far out of Marcus Simeon, who, you know, was like 
the worst player on the planet at the start of last year. They had a really like subpar start to the season. And one of the reasons that I really liked, I think I wrote about this at the time. I hope I did because it's a good point. Um, (laughs) One of the reasons that I I really liked Texas betting on a player like Simeon, a player because he had – built himself sort of out of a mediocre player into a great one. And he had this combination of like, he's a very intelligent, he's very dedicated and he's a very athletic player. It felt like if he could stay healthy, if things went wrong during the course of the contract, he could get himself right. And he's made some adjustments this year where like, you know, he looks like he's going to be a six, seven win player, which is exactly, you know, what you're looking for. And so Simeon, like Simeon was a guy who, even though he was going in, I think to his age 31 season last year, I really liked liked their gamble on him because I feel like even if as long as his body holds up he is he like as I said he's just that combination of like brains ethic and just talent to sort of get yourself back in working order and you know you look at him now he's hitting the ball he's a great fielder you know they've been the offense has kept it up even though Corey Seager's missed some time they're gonna give the Astros some trouble and the Astros are are shorter than they have been you know with the loss of Verlander and several of their other starters banged up. In the interest of uh, parity, I will point out that when it comes to runners in scoring position, because I was looking this up last night for a different reason, uh, we talked about the Padres. They are a a baseball worst 198 with uh, runners in scoring position. The Rangers are hitting 326, which is almost 50 points higher than the second place team. Feels sustainable. Right. I mean, (laughs) I don't want to be a jerk, but like if you're talking about batting average on balls in play, uh, they're hitting 387 with runners in scoring position. The the next lowest is their next highest is 331. Like they are, they got the, they got the magic one do going as Mike Kruko likes to say, they are uh, getting the hits when they need to get the hits. And that's fine. And those are wins in the bank. Those, uh, they don't have to give those runs back, but it's something, that I point out, I go, hmm, okay. If that falls apart, like, how good are the Rangers? Probably pretty okay, but I just point it out. Well, you know, like, the certainly the timing has been good, and if you're going to get the Astros, get them while they're down, right? Get them while they're beat up. So that that's why not only, yeah, there's just some luck involved and whatever, but also, man, it's a roster full of good players. Right, So, right. like, yeah, they're going to get hot, and that's what it is. And, like, also, yeah, man, credit to them. The Astros are banged up so badly, right now that you know if there's a time to kind of play over your skis this is it so yeah bruce bochy gets some credit but mostly it's just they they don't have that uh you know the levi weaver stink around there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guy's, guy's just a bummer you know what i mean he brings the whole franchise down can we stay in the division for speed round version of surprises and disappointments sure mark here's a surprise the a's have won nine games the a's have nine wins this year that is shocking to me. Good for them. Way <laughs> over what they should be doing. Um, that is awesome, man. Estiuri Ruiz has 19 bags this year. Rooker like, hasn't stopped hitting. So, hey, man, good for them. Nine wins for the Oakland Athletics. Well, uh, real quick, where do you think the A's rank 1 through 30 in home runs? <laughs> They're probably in the middle somewhere, right? Like 15? 13. Yeah, they're, th- they're 13th. Uh, they're hitting home runs. Like, I have to spend, and I'm really upset about this, but I have to spend time at some point this week to figure out what a Brent Rooker is. And, like, I, I it, apparently he's, like, I don't know, Albert Pujols now? And so he's, he's been good. And yet, and yet, 
I know we've talked about this before, but on Baseball Reference, they've got that bar graph where it shows you the the margin of wins and margins of losses. Oh my God, the A's are getting blown out in every game. Blown out. When they win, they squeak it out. When they lose, they get their butt handed to them. And so they're funny. I like the A's. I like that the A's exist. I'm going to go see them uh, in, a, in about a week or two. Oh, cool. You and like 55 other people. <laughs> Dude, that, that is so for me. I love that. That gives me the candlestick vibes, you know? I was a vendor at Candlestick when they were terrible. Is and- that a euphemism? No, no, no. I was a vet. I, I sold Cracker Jacks and uh, bottled water. but it, So I would sell Cracker Jacks on the cold games. And this is 1998, I guess. And when the Expos were in on a Tuesday night, like you start an hour and a half before the game and you walk up and down the aisles going, Cracker Jacks, Cracker Jacks, yeah. And like by half an hour in, you have already offered Cracker Jacks to every single person in that stadium <laughs> three times. And guess what? You got another seven and in to go. And they're not buying Cracker Jacks. But yeah. you know what? Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Because they got tattoos in them and you can put them on. So uh, The Royals need to trade Salvador Perez. That's all I got. Oh, man. He's killing it right now. He's, he's Him and Vinny. That's it. Could the Giants use Salvador Perez? I, I mean, I don't know hot. what the Giants would trade or why, but yeah, sure. For the rights to like never show the final out of the 2014 World Series. <laughs> look, hey, <laughs> look, man, they won the next year, so flags fly I forever. Know. See, that's funny. And the Rangers also won the next year in 2011 because they turned off the TV in the bottom of the ninth inning. Or Oof. yeah, or tough crowd. Night. All right, tough yeah. crowd. All right, this has been episode 49 of the Roundtable. We'll be back next week because we do this every week. We talk about baseball. That's what we do. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. It's better to be uh, pissed on than pissed off. That's what I'm saying, fellas. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.